This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. So in a week's time, Malaysia will have its human rights performance reviewed by countries around the world in the UN through a process called the Universal Periodic Review. So this is in conjunction. So in conjunction with this, the coalition of Malaysian NGOs um, in the UPR process, so they're called the Comango, uh, will be organizing a media briefing to provide an overview of the UPR process. Now, this process actually happens every four and a half years and the Human Rights Council will call for each UN member to undergo a peer review of the human rights process and this essentially allows the country to report on what they've done to improve human rights, to overcome challenges uh, in the path to enjoying human rights as well as to get recommendations from other countries for improvement. Yeah, it sounds uh, I think very uh, ideal. It's something that you want to see happen. I think nobody would kind of uh, argue against it but the reality is the UN and UN processes is it is a multilateral organisation, right? It's um, it's based on member states all coming together and willingly subjecting themselves, in this case, to scrutiny by others. And so I think there's always a level of politics that's involved and it's an interesting kind of politics and has brought very different types of uh, stakeholders together to, say, for instance, uh, fight one position against another. And there are debates, I think, on a global level. Uh, so um, in what this uh, process might do this time uh, and what it will yield on the ground in Malaysia, I think are two different sets of uh, realities. I mean, the UN process, I think, and, and that's, that's why some people are very disheartened, I think, when they think of the UN. Yes, well, right now, you know, what, what can be done because the UN dictates it so, even globally, feels quite tenuous. Um, you use the word willingly, and I think that's, that's quite key here because in the end, these are recommendations. These are not something that is necessarily enforceable. Um, and if we look at our record with previous uh, reviews as well, I mean, there are pluses and minuses in terms of what the outcome has been because the most recent uh, the review before this, the UPR, was actually in 2018. And a couple of things that emerged from that... Uh, um, on the one hand, we managed to do things like put in place Undi 18, uh, which is part of that you know, enshrining the right for the vote and so on. But then we also have something like ICERD, which had so much controversy and didn't necessarily carry through. Um, so I think that reviews like these are important, but I also understand why they're often uh, met with, yeah, but so what? What's the outcome? Just because we know, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, uh, what's also interesting is that 10 years ago, in 2014, uh, there was, in fact, quite a bit of hostility between the then government and the Comango group. So, in fact, the Home Ministry uh, then tried to declare Comango illegal. So that might have changed. So we might be looking at succeeding governments being much more open to cooperation with civil society organizations, with human rights defenders, not necessarily taking a hostile, they might not agree with each other, but not a hostile attitude towards each other. And of course, it's kind of an asymmetrical relationship. When governments are hostile towards uh, civil society, the impact on civil society would be mm. greater than the other way around, right? So uh, I think that is something to look at. And maybe uh, there's been much more progress in terms of Malaysian government and the civil society 
anti-human rights defenders group uh, in this process. So we will be speaking after this with Ryan Chua, who is Program Director at Pusat Komas. But we are talking about the Universal Periodic Review, uh, which is essentially a review of Malaysia's human rights records in the last four and a half years. The review happens every four and a half years. We want to hear from you. How do you think Malaysia is doing when it comes to upholding human rights? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Be firmly motivated. BFM 89.9. It's 5.12. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking about the upcoming Universal Periodic Review for Malaysia, where our human rights efforts will be assessed. Um, and so we want to hear from you. How do you think Malaysia is doing when it comes to upholding human rights? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. Joining us now on the line is Ryan Chua, Program Director at Pusat Komas. Ryan, good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Uh, could you start by helping us understand the periodic review process and what it hopes to achieve? All right. So the universal periodic review is a unique process which involves the review of a state's human rights record. You know, and this happens for all 193 UN member states. That is done every four to five years. And yeah, so could you uh, tell us what it hopes to achieve and uh, a little bit more, uh, so if you can, to be more expansive, so tell us um how this happens, you know, is it like a court situation, is it a reporting situation? Uh, paint us a picture. All right. So what happens in the review is basically, you know, the, the Malaysian government will send its representatives there. So it's more like, you know, all of us will be gathered in a room with all the member states, uh, representatives from the member states there as well. And what they would do is probably at that point, the Malaysian government will start off by giving their opening statement to identify and to tell them what they have done with regards to the improvement of human rights for the past five years. And after that has happened, uh, all the member states will then be given a certain number of uh, time. Usually it's around one and a half minutes to two minutes to just give a list of recommendations for Malaysia to accept or you know, to, uh, for implementation in the state. So that's what will happen for the next three and a half years, uh, so three and a half hours, uh, and then it will be it will wrapped up. So usually the time that is given to each member state is dependent on how many states or how many countries actually decide that they want to give an intervention. So if there are more numbers of countries that are willing to give their intervention, then the shorter the time they are given to all of them. So it depends really in terms of who wants to participate in that process. So what is the role of the Malaysian government in this process? Do they try and defend the record, for instance? All right. So what happens then is that the Malaysian government will be the representative of the state under review. So what they are supposed to do usually prior to the UPR is that they will be responsible in producing a national report that sets out what progress on human rights issues in the preceding five years. You know, So they would actually be sharing with regards to what has the Malaysian government done to, uh, with regards to the specific recommendations that were given by their peers, the, the different United Nations member states there. And they will give them, you know, they will give an overview of how those reports are then implemented locally. So those will be what those will be what the Malaysian government has done. But on top of that, you also have other stakeholders like the civil society organizations and national human rights institutions like SWAKAM sending in another report 
to just say that, look, you know, this is the assessment of the civil society organizations and the human rights institution in regards to the Malaysians' role in implementing those recommendations that they've accepted at the international level. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that civil society dimension of the process. Uh, it goes by the name of Comango, the coalition of Malaysian NGOs in the UPR process. I'm assuming that every country will have a Comango-like uh, stakeholder involved in the process. What exactly can they do uh, and how seriously are they taken by the stakeholders in this process? All right. So in the UN process or the UPR process specifically, usually there are two different types of um, interventions that we can give. So if it's an individual organization uh, submission, you're only given five pages uh, to, to submit. So because again, you know, if there are too many people submitting their reports to the United Nations, it would be a bit disastrous. It would be a lot for them to digest. So what they have done as well is that the coalition work actually matters because if you are submitting a joint submission, then you are given 10 pages and usually it carries more weightage because this is a collective response by the civil society organizations to the UN. So they give higher emphasis and priority to coalition reports. So in fact, you know, Comango is actually one of the model uh, model ways or CSOs that has been used in uh, and has been shared amongst other countries as well as you know a coalition work matters and you know it, it gives a stronger voice, it gives a stronger representative for the different issues that we are highlighting in the UPR process. So if we look back um, in 2014, the Home Ministry actually tried to have Comango declared unlawful. Has that relationship between the coalition of NGOs and the government improved in the last 10 years? Um, I must say there's definitely a lot of improvement. I think um, back then the Malaysian government do, uh, even investigated um, our representatives who were participating in the second UPR in 2014. Uh, but in 2018, I think something that needs to be taken into consideration was also the change of government. And the Malaysian government at that point of time has also opened their arms uh, to be a little bit more engaging. So today, the Malaysian government invites us to participate in their biannual consultation where all stakeholders, the civil society organizations, human rights institutions are given an update on what the government has done to, to, to implement the recommendations that were given. So it's also a way for us to also provide our feedback on what we think we as civil society organizations can support the government in doing. So the in this sense, you know, the Malaysian government now appreciates that the UPR process needs to be approached from a more collaborative atmosphere, which is more which is done in a more open and transparent uh, way as compared to the previous confrontational manner that you have you have uh, said. So this is really in line with what the UN wants us to do. It's the best practices at the UN where it seeks to improve respect for rights and dignities of all persons in line with the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, I also understand, uh, Ryan, that, you know, civil society is not monolithic. Uh, there are groups with different ideological orientations, value orientations. We know there's been a lot of discussions around questions of, say, abortion or the LGBTQ community. And this d does divide civil society in many countries. So how does, uh, how does it play out for the Malaysian scenario? Is there a convergence in terms of values, at least within Comango and the other groups outside that might not, in fact, agree with the Comango uh, perspective? 
Um, I, I thanks thanks for the question. In fact, I think that's a really good question with regards to such topics, right? Uh, uh, as as usual, you know, when it comes to human rights, there are also conflicting views on on how do people perceive uh, this this topic. So, for example, as you have articulated, freedom of religion, uh, you know, LGBT communities and much more are often under the radar. And you know, Comango has also been attacked numerous times, even though we have spoken a lot about other human rights issues. We are often zoned in to only speak about these key issues. And at this point of time, uh, it's worthy to note that the, these different groups, uh, the groups um, has different perspectives on human rights, are also using this space to also speak about issues. But of course, um, they, they use the human rights language, but frame it from a very different perspective from based on their own perspectives. And then they will say that, look, you know, we, we adhere to human rights standards, but there are also exceptions. We need to bring it to the culturally relevant perspective of all of this. So when you speak with regards to convergence, we need to actually look into the nuance of all these discussions. So certain times, you know, they, when they say there's no discrimination, uh, there's discrimination against certain groups because uh, they are not allowed to wear their hijab and all that kind of stuff. Again, the key point that we emphasize is that, you know, we should respect people's dignities and their rights, you know, regardless of who they are. So even if their groups are under attack, they do not have that kind of similar treatment just because of their religion. We, we emphasize on the need for respecting everyone's rights and dignities, regardless of who they are, their race, their ethnicity, their gender, and much more. Ryan, if I could go back to something you brought up earlier, which is the change in government. Um, how will the review account for that? The fact that when we look back at the last four and a half years, we've had three different governments come in and in and out of power. What is the sort of nuance that this review will take into account? Okay, so um, in, in the upcoming review, which is actually going to happen next week, which is the fourth UPR, um, you can see that, you know, there are a lot of changes in policies. So the civil society organizations like us have also been, I mean, we are very critical. We have informed that, you know, there's a lot of issues that are happening. And we also acknowledge the fact that, you know, there's a lot of change of governments. But I think we need to also give information to the people behind the Malaysia uh, holding the Malaysian government accountable. In fact, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, despite the change of governments, they are continue to be open for engagement, uh, and they are also keen to also push for certain reforms. So, in that sense, you know, um, I think the government should be should be uh, should be applauded for their efforts. But of course, there are still so many other areas that needs to be to be addressed, right? Because again, with the change of government, there are also a policy shift and much more. But the, what the Ministry of Foreign Affairs had done was also to make sure that, you know, all they acknowledge that these are all the difficulties and we also need to understand that, you know, these are some of the struggles that they are facing with the change of government, the lack of direction and certain governments are deciding to, you know, certain governments are uh, prefer to choose a different, more conservative approach and some would be a little bit. So again, they are trying their very best but of course, we are still critical and we say that, look, you know, regardless of which government is under play, we are still responsible and accountable to the international uh, public and the international community. So that is something that we need to emphasize that regardless of who is in place, you know, we still need to go back to the fundamental thing that everyone should be respected uh, and, you know, they have their own dignity. Now, the last periodic review, as we mentioned before, was in 2018, November. Could you take us back to that time? What were the issues and concerns that were brought up then? Right. So some of the key areas that we have highlighted back then was uh, 
in just in a broad stroke, you know, uh, areas in like the ascension to international human rights instruments and treaties, uh, how the Malaysian government should cooperate with treaty bodies and the special procedures. And there are also issues pertaining to equality and non-discrimination where, you know, uh, we focus on issues like gender equality, freedom of religion, racism, rights of indigenous peoples and much more. So all of these are covered in the very broad 10 pages. You know, it's, it's covered in a broad stroke, but of course we give clear examples of what issues are there. So it's a very intricate thing. But these are some of the key general issues that we have highlighted in the previous UPR. And that is just from Comenco. There are so many other stakeholders who also submitted a report which focuses more and all in depth in all these different thematic areas that I was, I was shared with you earlier. And what about this review? What are the issues that will be in focus this time? All right. So once again, I think some of the reoccurring issues highlighted in the past are raised again in this review. In fact, um, it has been raised even in the previous cycles, the first cycle, second cycle, third cycle, and now we are we are we are raising it once again. So uh, because there's still slow progress in implementation of the recommendations, it was given to the Malaysian government, but then the, they often, you know, because again, we need to understand there are, it's not everything can be accepted. There are also certain limitations that the government has. has. So they would report it and they would inform that these are the struggles, but they are still doing something with regards to it. So for example, one of the key things that we are going to emphasize once again is in terms of the ascension to the remaining human rights treaties. So what the government has done to, to much that we have to also acknowledge is that they have translated the nine core human rights instruments into the Malay language. In fact, this is the first. Uh, after three reviews that they decided that they should that they should actually translate this. But again, we are not too sure in terms of awareness raising, how is it used and much more, right? And the government also mentioned that they have to study the feasibility of Malaysia acceding to the remaining six core human rights instruments. But again, one of the key criticisms that we have is that you know there's no end to these studies. In fact, the, the Malaysian government has established this interagency standing committee since 2008, the first UPR until today. So we cannot be continue to study the instruments since the first UPR until now. Like there are also several lower hanging fruits like the Convention Against Torture and the Convention on Enforced Disappearance. So there are certain low hanging fruits that the Malaysian government can actually accede to. You know, of course, you know, we speak about ISIS, it may be a little bit difficult because of the political construct and how it was being politicized back then. But there are also several other um, lower hanging fruits that we can actually we can actually accede to. So these are some things. Uh, and, and, you know, we still cover some areas like non-discrimination, uh, especially like for the, the like new areas like, you know, discriminatory citizenship laws and statelessness. And you know the rights of the indigenous peoples, like you know the Malaysian government has also said that you know they they adhere to the UN trip, but there's no domestication of the Universal Declaration on the rights of the indigenous peoples until today. So the rights of indigenous communities continue to be violated today. So again, we give recommendations and we say that look, you know, accepting something at the international level, it has also it also needs to be domesticated locally. So this is some things that we are focusing on again in the broad stroke. But of course, there are other stakeholders' reports that would give in-depth explanation on all the other issues like the civil political rights uh, in terms of like non-discrimination, like racism, migrant workers, refugees and asylum seekers and much more. Ryan, we have about a minute and a half. Um, tell us about the countries. You said it's a, it's a peer review process. So what countries are interested in Malaysia's human rights situation? In fact, a lot of the countries are... Um, we, I mean, there was a delegation who was there in the pre-session back then. Uh, we had engagement with Malawi, 
you know, we had engagement with Gambia, we have engagement with Colombia and much more. So there are so many other countries that are open and are willing to meet. Uh, of course, there are a lot. There are some from the the, the European Union and much more. But we are also seeing an increase of other countries taking into consideration the importance of this process. And even within ASEAN, the Thai the Thai government and you know the Indonesian government are also open to have these kind of engagements to provide good recommendations for the country. Ryan, we have, I think, actually a little bit of time, 30 seconds. What do you want the public to understand about this process and why it's important? All right. So again, one of the key things is that the pro- this UPR process highlights which areas that Malaysia is lacking behind and where improvements can, can and should be made. So while some progress has been made in the area of better human rights acknowledgement and recognition, I think there still needs to be a lot of work that has to be done by the Malaysian government to ensure that every person in Malaysia are given protection based on international recognized human rights standards. And one key thing that I think we need to remind the, Malaysia, the current government, the, Bana, the Mandani-based government, is that you know it's time for Malaysia to take human rights seriously and find ways to improve and implement better standards rather than delaying and promising endless research and studies. I think we hope that the new government will actually implement stronger human rights standards as an important pillar of the the Madani-based administration. Ryan, thanks for speaking with us today. That was Ryan Chua, Program Director at Pusat Komas. And do weigh in. How do you think Malaysia is doing when it comes to upholding human rights? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.